Welcome to the Traffic Talk Podcast, anti-trafficking discussions for the modern abolitionists. I'm your host, Vern, from the Justice Ministry at Blue Water Mission. We've got a decade of experience fighting the injustice of human trafficking and have ministered to hundreds of victims by just using volunteers in our free time. But we've had outstanding results. We believe that there's a role for you in this fight too. On this podcast, you will hear interviews, stories, and discussions from people on the ground doing the real work. So plug in and get ready to open your heart and mind. And now, the next episode of the Traffic Talk Podcast. What's up, Traffic Talk people? Welcome to episode eight. I love, love, love this interview with Narissa, and I know you will too. She's unfreaking believable, a nurse by career, but caring for trafficking survivors and bringing so much healing outside of her day job. In this episode, Narissa shares how nightmares led her to pay attention to a news story that later revealed a murdered victim of sex trafficking. She also tells us how using empathy and seeing the similarities between trafficked victims and ourselves can be really helpful in caring for them. She also shares with us what types of self-care she prioritizes so she can keep doing this work and living out her purpose. You guys are in for a great inspirational episode here. While you listen, think about what you really feel called to do in this world. Okay, I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Let's jump into it. Um, Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my day job is that I'm an RN. I work at a local hospital. And um, and then I do a lot of just volunteer work um, mm-hmm. for our church and um, a lot of work in human trafficking. I also run a house called My Sister's House, and we house women coming out of human trafficking, um, help them like get a fresh start, get their feet underneath them, and really, the, our main goal is just to be their, their family and adopt them. This We definitely um, operate out of the spirit of adoption, just adopting them into our family. Um, they become our sisters or our daughters. Um, so that's kind of what I do in the anti-trafficking world. That is so cool. So that is a whole lot. So a lot of people, they feel like just being a, a nurse is exhausting. And then you've got like this whole extra life on top of it like how did you how did you get involved in anti-trafficking work and advocacy mentoring sounds like community living yeah so i actually got involved about five years ago um i rarely watch the news but i was watching the news one night and i saw this woman named ivy harris had gone missing and about a week before that i had started having this series of dreams. It was really like nightmares. And, um, and it got so bad that to the point of where I was like happening during the day, I was actually awake mm. and I was having like these visions and, and I didn't even know what the word human trafficking meant. I had no idea. Um, but 
now looking back, um, being educated about it, it was, it was about human trafficking, women being taken, um, women being stolen, beaten, um, the whole shebang. And a lot of times I was actually that, that woman that was being taken. So I kept asking, like, what is this? Like, what does this have to do with? And it, it literally haunted me. Mm -hmm. So I saw this story and I knew for some reason it had something to do with my dreams. Um, mm -hmm. and so I followed the story kind of religiously. I joined the Find Ivy Harris Facebook page and, um, ended up a few days later, um, she had been murdered. And so I put together this, uh, this lay service and, um, I had no, I, at this point had no idea that she was a trafficking, mm -hmm. um, victim. Explain a little bit what a lay service is. Oh yeah. So a lay service or a lay cer ceremony is where it's kind of like, um, kind of like a funeral or a goodbye, a life celebration, um, where you go to the beach, you either paddle out and, um, throw out lays or you can stand from the shore and throw out lays. It's just to honor, um, honor who's, who's passed. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's all about honor and respecting, um, mm -hmm. who, who's, um, her specifically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I showed up to that and all of a sudden the newscasters showed up and they wanted to interview me. I was like, what's going on? And then one of the questions that she had asked me was, um, you know, Ivy Harris was known to be an escort. Does that change any reason why you're here? And I, of course I said, of course not. Like, um, at, we're here to honor her life. And, um, and then I realized after the newscast left that who I was standing with was, um, working girls and, mm -hmm. and two pimps. And I was by myself. I was alone. And I, for a moment I had like sheer terror and God was <laughs> like, no, like you couldn't figure it out. Um, in the dreams. So I'm just going to drop you in the middle of it and I've got you, I've got your back. Um, so that's kind of how I started in it and then, um, ended up like getting prayer one day at church and, um, was super new to, um, Holy Spirit and, um, hearing from the Lord. And I heard, I heard a word on, on repeat and it was Vern's name, your name <laughs> on repeat. And I don't know that I had really met you yet, but you uh -huh. were like, I don't know, nine months pregnant and super busy. And so somehow I, I just a approached it or approached you and um, we have been working together ever since. <laughs> yeah, that, I was definitely in a introverted, overwhelmed, I'm nine months pregnant. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> My life's getting ready to change. Um, but okay, I want to point out like one thing. One, you had dreams, which I mean, uh, dreams is what got me started. I just... yeah always find that amazing like literally while you're sleeping just these crazy dreams are happening and it always leaves me wondering like how many other people is this happening to and how many people are like realizing like what's going on anyway it's just yeah. am amazing because that happened this was before you knew anything like you yes. said you didn't even know what the terminology necessarily was like, yeah you're definitely. just seeing something yeah absolutely and i think part of like how i got involved like how I got involved is like, after I started doing research, I realized that I, I had been uh, approached by a pimp twice mm -hmm. in, um, in the previous city that I, I lived in and I hadn't put the pieces together because mm -hmm. I didn't know enough yeah. um, about, but two separate occasions, maybe a couple months apart at the last, at the last city that I lived in. And then once in the, in my current city, um, mm -hmm. being approached by a pimp. So it, it's just, it gives testimony that it could be anybody. I come, I, yeah. I'm highly educated and I come from a highly educated family and it could be anybody. Um, and anybody I, that gets recruited into it. Absolutely. And anybody that shows inner, any kind of vulnerability, you know, had I been, 
on drugs, had I been drinking mm-hmm. those those times, then it could have been me. Um, and and really, I work with you know I work with a doctor at work, and 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 his daughter was was taken and was mm-hmm. trafficked, and fortunately she was able to get rescued, and she's doing really well now. But it could literally be anybody. Mm, that's a good point because I like that because I think sometimes we think like it only happens to a certain social economic yeah. status, or it only happens to people of certain races, or it only happens to people with a certain like family background or that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's not like there are risk factors that can make somebody more at risk, but it really can happen to anybody. So that's amazing. Um, And then there was one other piece of your story that I wanted to bring back up. Let me see. Okay. So Ivy Harris, like to get your story straight, like you didn't even know this chick, right? Like, no. Yeah. I just saw the story on the news. She was like from, um, from a really similar town that I was from. She was the same mm-hmm. age as me, a few months, um, a few months older than mm-hmm. me. And I just, like, I saw this story and it just, it, it just clenched my heart. And yeah. it, there wasn't, it was just that she was missing at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it just captivated my heart that there was mm-hmm. like a woman that's like so, so similar to my, like, mm-hmm. to me. And yeah. she was just missing. And yeah, so it just kind of captivated my heart in that way. Yeah, and that's amazing. And I just want to highlight, like, you recognized that pull on your heart, and you decided to take some sort of action there. Yeah. And that's changed the path of your life going forward. Totally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's, let me ask this. So how long have you been involved? How long has it's it been? It's been about five, I think five or six years now. Okay. Yeah. So that's like, um, that's a while. And a lot of times the question that I get from people is like, wow, it's really hard work or this kind of stuff. Like, how do you stay involved for years at yeah. a time with the work? It's such a good question. And I, I think it's a question that I get asked all the time, um, mm-hmm. at work too. Yeah. Um, but I really think, um, part of, part of what it is, is like, I think about what I had mentioned before is mm-hmm. it, it could be me. Mm-hmm. It could be, it could be my sister. It could be my cousin. These are our aunties, our, our moms, our daughters, um, that it could be anybody. And, and had it been a little bit different, it could have been me. And so I just, I, I really approach it in that way is like, Mm -hmm. if it was me, I would hope and pray that there was someone out there like that actually cared and that was seeking after me. Um, also I feel like my nursing career kind of prepared me, um, for uh, some of the things that, that we deal with, um, interacting with survivors. Um, you know, like as a new nurse, I remember like holding warm urinal or like holding someone's hair back or like sticking my hand in this spinal cord wound that I'm dressing and just like dry heaving and being like, Oh my gosh, I don't think I can do this. (laughs) Um, but after a while, like I started to get used to it and, and it's so nice once you get to a point where you're used to it, where you're like, okay, I'm used to it. It's not that, it's not that bad, but now I can address holistically my patient and not be like, yakking out the corner or, or, you know, like, like dry heaving while they're, you're holding their hair back or whatever. But it really gave me perspective on, on how to address like holistically my patient and to, to be able to walk through some of the the gross stuff, Mm -hmm. but you're standing by someone in such an important time. And, Mm -hmm. and for me, that was, that was life giving. It's not a numbness. Mm -hmm. It's different than being numb for me. It's, it's really, um, being, being able to stand by somebody in the midst of their trauma or in the midst mm. of their sorrow and, um, and be able to walk through some of their gross stuff too, you know, and just stand by them in that. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, because like I am 
just a fan of saying that once our capacity has been stretched, like one during the stretching, yes. that feels like that you're going to snap, that it's too far, that, you know, like my rubber band and my elasticity is at its, um, as is at its breaking point. But then what I've noticed in myself and in others that have gotten involved in this kind of work is once your capacity has been stretched, once you've learned how to do hard things, you, you know, like you've learned how to do the new things, you keep that capacity. Like it doesn't shrink yeah. back down. Like you still have the room to do more. And yeah, the next absolutely. time things feel easier. Yeah. And then also just to clarify, you know, like, um, you're not, cleaning out anybody's like spinal tap wounds and things like that no. when they come in the trafficking victims no just the analogy of yes. like sometimes there's some gross or some difficult things yeah that you gotta get through and like you it sounds like that you've built up this strength of like i can see somebody going through something vulnerable or something hard or something that like just isn't pretty nice and comfortable yeah but you have the strength to be there with them as they do it absolutely and i think um one of the biggest things that in my nursing career um and that crosses over into like anti anti-trafficking advocacy mm -hmm. is i kind of have a deal with god and um it is that i can sit with someone as i hear like their brokenness and cry with them and feel with them um, and empathize with them and sit in their pain with them. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I leave, I ask God to like, take that burden, mm -hmm. that heaviness, that weight of that burden for me so that I can, so that I can do the advocacy work. And so that mm -hmm. I can, so that I can get stuff done around it as opposed to being like permanently wrecked by their story. Yeah. Does it mean that I won't like cry with them later? Of course not. Like I can still feel with them. Um, but it's similar in nursing where I mm -hmm. dealt with death and dying and like, how do you find peace in that? Um, and how do you keep going in that? So that's also my, my deal with God and he totally comes through in that for me. So. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's really good of being able like to be present and to being able to carry some of the burdens, but then to be able to hand off the burden yeah, absolutely. and yeah. not feel as if we are now weighed down by it. Like yeah. that's important. Um, so question around like your heart, does it ever seem like there's just too much to handle or that your heart is getting too broken at times? And if so, like, why do you keep going? Why continue? Yeah, I, that's such a great question. And I think in the beginning it was, um, a lot, a lot harder cause you're, you're really, um, there's not really any way to warm up to the fact that you're hearing these stories and mm -hmm. these are real lives. These girls aren't just statistics. These are real women and hearing their stories of just sheer terror, things that, that you and I might never even imagine a, yeah. a life coming from that life or, um, so I think that sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's really hard. Um, but I think as, as I shared, like my deal with God definitely is helpful. Um, but also I think one of the main things that keeps me going is, um, is definitely prayer and mm -hmm. also self care. Like I need to learn how to take care of myself in a way, um, that I can keep giving. And so, um, personally I, I do a lot of self care. So I'm paddling on my paddleboard. Mm -hmm. Um, meditating, taking time to pray, checking in with people. It's absolutely essential that you have a mentor, somebody mm. that's really alongside you, um, that's praying you through. I also have like 20 people on my prayer team, um, just, just for me. Um, most of them are mainland, um, and, um, who are really supporting me in prayer, supporting mm -hmm. the house in prayer. So I think that's how, that's how I keep doing it. And I keep doing it because like, 
I really believe these women are our sisters and our daughters. And, um, what, what would you do for your daughter or your sister? Mm -hmm. Like you would do anything. You'd go to the ends of the earth. So, yeah, absolutely. And I always said like, just because, um, the women, the girls that I was meeting when I first got into it and helping with them, like I would often say like, just because they don't have a family member that's going to like, you know, run through the night to find them or, uh, take them back or just have that uh, unlimited forgiveness and grace and that kind of stuff doesn't mean that they don't deserve it. Absolutely. Yeah. And everybody needs somebody who's, who's wild about them or who cares about them. We all need that one person. So if we can stand in the gap and be that, then it's an honor. It really is. Totally. Okay. Well, this would be our um, last question for today. So many people don't choose this type of life. Like, I mean, you're living with survivors, you're mentoring them, like you're, you've holding down a day job, this kind of stuff. I feel like I get a lot of times the question of like, why is it worth it? Or people are trying to understand like, cause it just sounds like that it's hard for them, but what do, what do you actually gain? Like, why is it worth it? Um, for you, how does it make your life? better? Are you as an individual better in doing it? Yeah, I think um, the main answer to that question is that the work that I do definitely aligns with my purpose in life, which Mm -hmm. is um, definitely to help women get free and stay free. And a lot of a lot of the work that I do is, is in pieces. So we see and experience a small piece of freedom that might not look like anything to anybody else. But because we have a sense of where these girls are coming from and what they've been through. Um, maybe, maybe the victory is them sitting down and letting, letting us pray over them. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe the victory is that they got a job in the square world for the first time. And maybe it only lasts a month or something, mm-hmm. but we, we <laughs> celebrate every single victory and we rejoice in that because in each victory there's healing. Um, and there, and there's a taste of freedom. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times, sometimes our girls end up back on the street and it's devastating. Um, but what we think about is the victory that we had in the moments that we had them and they experienced family in those moments. They experienced our sisterhood and a support and they experienced maybe a sense of normal. So I think that's for sure. I stay in it for, for the freedom that, that they're going to, that they experience and the, the faith that I have for the freedom that they will experience in the future. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it's, well, it's just absolutely beautiful way to look at that. Every good thing counts. Yeah. Every absolutely. good thing that was planted counts. Um, so would you say just the, the last little bit, like if you were just a nurse, which is a big deal, like some nothing down on nurses, but do you think that your life would feel as fulfilled? Do you think that you would have as much joy like if say you did the typical i go to work i have my home life um you know typical western way of life is not sharing our home with others and not sharing a ton of time with people that necessarily need us but maybe with people that fill us up like do you think your life would be as as joyful or as full of the good things i'm so glad you asked that i mean girl, it was crazy starting out and like letting people into my home. Like that was not really my thing. It's definitely when you talked about capacity and stretching our capacity, I, I, that resonates with me. Um, I think, um, like the ways that I've been stretched in, in anti-trafficking advocacy, um, have actually made me a better nurse and, Mm. and, and vice versa. Um, Mm. so I, I feel 
so much fulfillment welcoming these women into into my home and and like even just whatever way that looks like for service because it's going to be different from for everybody not everybody can have a, a home yeah um but whatever way that is to like to stretch your capacity and and to really stretch your heart um, your heart's capacity it's it's very fulfilling um i i love these women these i i think of them as my sisters and some of them as my daughters so um I can't, I actually can't imagine my life without them because they're, they're family now. So mm, that's amazing. I love it. Thanks so much for sharing your yeah. heart today. I'm so glad that you could come on. I think our listeners are going to love it. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys picked up on how Nerissa has allowed herself to be stretched and grown into a stronger and more purposeful person. None of her story happened without intentional decisions to be open to change and following opportunities to take action. For those of you wanting to connect with us at the Blue Water Mission Justice Ministry, you can find us online at bluewatermission.com justice dash ministry and of course, we're on Facebook too, at BWM Justice. Please leave us a review for this podcast, grab our free resources, and join this movement of justice with us.